are almost hunting season. It's Garrett, and this is The World According to G. If this is the first time you are tuning into the podcast, I have a radio show on a country station in Richmond, Virginia. K95, I'm on the air from 3 to 7. And you can listen at k95country.com. This is episode 5, and today my guest is going to be Chip Watkins, who is the owner and guide for Moncue and Creek Outfitters here in Virginia. I've hunted his properties the last couple of years. He's gone out with me and sent me out on my own. But I tell you what, if you want somebody who is a steward of the land, if you want somebody who is knowledgeable, he's your guy. Deer, turkey, waterfowl, Moncue and Creek is it. So we'll talk to Chip here in a couple of minutes, and we'll wrap things up with a nice little bow with Can I Get an Amen, a feature I do every day on my radio show. It's starting. It's starting. Here goes nothing. Of this show. Me too. You know, I really do love listening to your show. Well, thank you. You obviously have excellent takes. Come on. It's showtime. So there's a couple of uh, hot topics I want to go before we catch up with Chip. One of them is news broke this week. That the TV show, The Kardashians, is finally ending. Thank God. I mean, why? I can't figure out for the life of me why that became so popular. After 14 years and 20 seasons, it will end its final season next year. Okay, bye-bye. So somebody put together a list of good changes caused by the pandemic. That some believe might be permanent. Now, in the long run, could this actually end up improving our lives in some way? Here are some of the things that made the list. More work from home jobs. Look, COVID forced a lot of companies to figure out how to handle remote workers. We're doing it at my office. I spend 75% of my week at home. So there's a good chance you're going to see a lot more of those jobs out there long after the pandemic ends. Uh, watching new movies at home. Theaters aren't going to go away. But movies might hit on demand a little bit earlier and releasing them in theaters and on demand at the same time might happen more often. Let's see, one of the other things, having groceries delivered. Now, we'll order groceries and go pick them up, but we haven't had them delivered. It's a lot more popular now Then it was pre-COVID, of course, and grocery stores have worked out how to get it done. Alcohol delivery is my favorite. That has also boomed. Let's see. Telehealth and teletherapy. We have this insurance where you can dial a doc, and that works great. It's cheaper, and they seem to see more patients and faster. So talking to the doctors and therapists online before you see them in person might become the new norm. And finally, more outdoor dining options. I love to eat inside, especially if it's super hot out. I hate being uncomfortable. Restaurants have had to invest in ways to serve people outside. And a lot of those outdoor areas probably stay. And if you happen to live on the western side of the United States, you're being inundated with wildfires everywhere from Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado. Please be careful if you are planning activities outside, especially In the wilderness, in dry areas, it's just absolutely devastating. And I'll end on this before we get with Chip. This is the 19th anniversary 
of 9-11. Hard to believe that it was 19 years ago. So many things have changed since 9-11. Last year, I got the opportunity to visit One World Trade Center. I'll say this. If you ever get the chance to go to New York and visit One World Trade Center, take the tours, visit the memorials. Absolutely amazing. My hat's off to everybody that was involved in putting that together. Beautiful. So please be sure to take a moment and remember 9-11. I don't think I've ever done a podcast to where we're sitting outside, it just right by a river. Um Chip Watkins is my guest today, and he is the owner of Moncue and Creek Outfitters in Virginia. And I think Chip and I met, I think it was about a year and a half ago, wasn't it? Maybe a little over a year and a half ago? Yeah, yeah. It was right before turkey season last year. That's right. We uh, Was it at Greentop, or was it at the one shot? Or I think it was at Greentop, and then after that... Um, I kind of invited myself to come out and go turkey hunting. I grew up doing some deer hunting through my teen years. After that, it kind of went away from me. It went away from me for a long time. And then it comes back to me here in Virginia. And I got out, did some bird hunting. And then you were generous enough to invite me out to come do some turkey hunting. And then I hadn't deer hunted since I was a teenager. So you're like, gosh, you need to get you another deer. So I came out and... It's a long story, but last year was not a successful year for me. But let's talk a minute, Chip, about just Moncuin Creek, Moncuin Creek Outfitters, how it started, and what all you provide. So Moncuin Creek Outfitters was kind of started based upon we were already guiding waterfowl hunting out in North Carolina and have been guiding and mentoring different friends and folks for years around here on our family farms and one day bob duncan was out spring turkey hunting with me and was like chip if anyone can ever run a successful outfit business in the state of virginia you sure can well it kind of clicked holy cow you know this is something someone from the top has said that could happen and with my other lawn care landscape company and farming knowing that we needed to kind of have options things kind of slow down after summer work and fall work and uh being in the outdoors it kind of kind of worked itself in to being an outfitter taking people on guided deer hunts uh turkey hunts uh waterfowl hunting and also um upland shooting shooting dove quail and that kind of you know gets everything started in september the fall of the year everyone looks forward to go out and shoot some doves it's the camaraderie of getting together friends family everyone getting to come out shoot a dove you can get laughed at by missing um and kids getting to shoot helps kid enjoy more of the outdoors because it's a fun experience it's not a uh, an all-day set and not get to see something lots of things uh that kind of started Monkey and Creek Outfitters um, and being a 
farmer's son, you know, is more of where I'd go along that has made me kind of realize to become a conservationist, a steward of the land. And that, too, derives into Monkey Creek Outfitters of being an educator in the outdoors. Speaking of being a steward of the land and educator of the outdoors, I think that really fueled my fire with trying to learn about Monkey Creek and learning that I was more of a sponge than I thought I was, and I wanted to learn more than I thought I did. When you started talking about the deer management, how the waterfowl migrate, and that, and your crops, everything from the corn to the sorghum to the beans to to everything, it's not just about hunting here. I mean, the farming is a big business, but walking through the process of deer management, that's, that's a lot goes into that. It's uh, it's something you don't learn overnight. It's something that you're not going to get educated even from school level to collegiate level, going off to college, coming home. It's experience. It's experience that I try to tell everyone. You learn something every day, uh, no matter in a workforce environment, being around people, someone's always teaching, educating. Um and that's what the outdoors brings to you is it's it's a new experience it's a new adventure it's a new lesson learned every day from being a mechanic from trying to figure out the right food of your area to also educating yourself with a deer that you name that has grown up and you saw his rack from the time he was you know two years old to now all of a sudden he's six years old I want to talk about because you've got the apprentice weekend that starts here in a few weeks. Then you've got uh, you got archery season and apprentice weekend getting ready to kick off here at the end of September. We've already got early September goose season that started September 1 on Tuesday here for Virginia. Uh, we've got September 15th uh, teal season coming in throughout Virginia. Uh, so we'll have some teal migrating blue wings and green wings that certain parts of our tidal and coastal region and some of our guides will call us as we start to get some teals down there and uh, and can provide opportunities with that. Um, so yes, and all that leads into from wing shooting to preparation for archery season and with the apprentice um, to being able to take some uh, an apprentice or a youth out on that youth weekend uh, here in Virginia. I know getting kids involved in the outdoors is a big passion of yours. You've got kids who are actively involved. They're all out all the time. In fact, uh, your son has guided me uh, on occasion. And by the way, he can call the turkeys in like nobody's business. So you've raised them well. You've taught them uh, about the outdoors and educated them. Why do you have such a passion for teaching young kids about the outdoors? I think that you develop, you develop that as a person um, from a young age, uh, from being uh, a social aspect of being involved, um, being around kids from Sunday school, being involved in volunteer organizations um, to giving back, where I've always been taught you give, you receive. And those values, not self but others, came from a motto from my college that 
always helping, whether it be an adult. But kids, um, I think it's where, you know, as an adult, you realize once you get to a certain point in life, whether you want kids, whether you want to raise kids, whether you want to adopt kids, it's uh, it's teaching kids um, a lot about what to be successful, to be um the next generation how to help i think it's it's something that all of us uh have been given a talent to be able to help uh put people into those places and direct and and it's just becoming a leader whether you're a leader of your baseball team whether you're you know the captain it's it's something that's funny uh that follows you where you know, I was told one day I was a fearless leader in high school, but I became that captain of the team or the leader of your baseball team where you're there to pick people up even if they're down. You're there to pick people up to lead them into a positive attitude. But teaching success comes from every day being successful from the old saying of making your bed up the time you get up in the morning is just also how you're raised uh, right. and that comes from parents mother father which i was given a great mother and father to raise me and give me those values to do the same thing with my kids and not just my kids as they've gotten older to be able to now take younger kids my kids wanting to take kids on these youth days and take them out participate in the youth waterfowl the youth turkey youth deer uh there's so many things that now virginia and other states have also adopted to you know be able to take out the youth take out the apprentices um and even our veterans now where we have days that are put in that those things are just big it gives certain days back to take those that are not so talented that that it's going to take years again for them to learn that knowledge that for a lot of us that have been very fortunate to have had families that have helped us taught us to learn that you learn something every day and taking that into respect of teaching kids it's it's a lot why a teacher becomes a teacher it's you know she goes or he goes on to do something that they love they just love being around those kids it makes it a positive uh life for those ones knowing that you're teaching and and you love them you know you learn to appreciate and it's it's a lot like you know you talking about a mentor there's a lot of things that it's just a passion because we've been successful in the field and I know that I can go be successful if I want to go out and harvest something to uh, to eat or provide for my family. But today, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to go grab a lot of different things from the store to cook or um, the different things that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we provided food for our family to the table. And, and now we're even starting to revert back to that with some of our local restaurants by, you know, from the field to the table and wanting right. to teach this to families and dealing with, with what we've all dealt with, with the last couple of months, not being able to go back and eat inside a building. We're spending family time together again that helps all of us realize what it's like with family. On one of my first podcasts, I talked about how COVID was a blessing in disguise because I think for like for you, for me, we do so much that's revolved around our work and that becomes a lot of our life. 
And I think COVID has taught us how to slow down and it was taught us how to think about what's really important in life. You know, as much as we think our work is important, knowing that we're spending that kind of quality time with our family that I didn't realize for so long that I missed out on until now I've been home doing my radio show from home for four months, four months now. And I think at this point, my wife is ready to kill me. My kids want me out of the house, but we have learned so much more about each other that I didn't take the time to learn before. I was always working weekends. I was always working nights. Um, my wife called me, or actually she said that she considered herself a mistress to my job. So, and I think that hit me really hard. You know, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that, that my family took such a, took such a backseat to my job. So when, you know, all the businesses because of COVID that have changed, there are people that whose lives have changed forever now because of COVID with restaurants changing, closing, how has COVID affected Monkey and Creek? Monkey and Creek has been affected through many ways. One that we've all realized folks can't come out of state. Certain states have got restrictions that 14 days quarantine that even if they come here uh, to hunt, they get back home, they're 14 days out of their business unless, you know, they're small business or something that can allow them to set back at home. But um, that affected us a lot through turkey season uh, with 22 hunters that we had to cancel and, and refer back to 2021 to give them spots to be able to come. Right. And it's just affected as a whole being able to have groups of people out and to start the new sides of businesses that are evolving people and want people to be out. Everyone's kind of been scared to, to have a big group. We, right. you know, um, we did the, the Sunflower event and everybody was kind of in their own car, got to pass around, and, and it was a fun event because people were still distancing themselves, but it, it didn't allow us to have our big youth turkey hunt. Um, we look forward to the, uh, the outdoor event at Green Top, getting to see new vendors, getting to see people, that whole social weekend that is big for outfitters to, to be right. there. That's, you know, affected us. Um, but it seems to be right now, you know, um, it's kind of gotten to a steady pace that we have all fixed and structured certain things to uh, to to still move on, that we have right. to still have a positive outlook and things are going to be good. Are you seeing a good bit of calls coming in for, I mean, for everything from, from the waterfowl to, uh, you know, to dove to deer? Yes, everything. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't really know, but for some reason, we even with the COVID this year has been probably way more uh, uh, phone calls and interaction from Facebook. Um, I think our marketing company had a uh, a couple different emails sent to them how our Facebook engagement was up 86%. and for me, I see that with the phone calls, the texts uh, that comes in to us. With regards to the community, you have built a lot of good relationships with many people and many businesses throughout the area. I mean, you've been here your whole life. 
Yeah, our whole life. What are some of your favorite relationships that you've built? I know that there's a specific restaurant in town that you've talked a lot about. So we all know that, you know, networking is is a huge part of every business. And, you know, you kind of become loyal where I was taught loyalty at a young age from my father where today it, it is hard to see a lot of loyalty but there's still a lot of really really good people left in this world that understand so we believe in locally and using you know local vendors local people um there's some things that we have um connections with that are uh different businesses that we are affiliated with and 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 i like certain types of seed that have proven themselves year and year for success uh in the field so you do stick to that you do try things um yes these relationships um and and i will say through the start of Marquee and creek officially in 2012 um and it grew tremendously in 2016 some of the relationships started even more with the connection with the virginia uh wildlife foundation the uh the one shot event that green top bass pro dances all these other supporters and people came together that created relationships that today have landed me with different relationships and opportunities that are outside of the hunting that has become the other side of Moncune Creek that we realize every business has to diversify. You hit to a certain level and that's kind of your end uh, or your cap. And if you're not able to diversify and change the business, you don't grow. Everybody wants growth. And to be able to have some other relationships and for me to hear people talking, it's just they give me ideas of things that we can do out on the farm, like the sunflower picking, just engaging people in the outdoors, uh, being able to bring people to the river and do eventually one day riverboat tours uh, to see the wildlife that it's just birding, you know, being able to see eagles take folks come wintertime to different migrations of Tweety birds, different types of birds that, you know, that a lot of people don't know. Um, those are the things that I guess um, have connected me in relationships with a lot of other people. I have seen that um, out here. I was out on your property one day, and it was before you got here. I think I just beat you beat you to the house, and there was there was a car parked in, you know, the long driveway down the way, and I I sent you a text i'm like chip there's some people on your property taking pictures and they were birders that you have a lot of unique birds on your farm that people want to get pictures of and 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 it's something that started back when i was in elementary school um one of my elementary teachers from ala country day uh miss allen was a outdoor adventurous a science teacher and she carried us out on outdoor field trips that taught us the water the environment protecting saving the bay oystering crabbing just different things that we gained by going out and experiencing that no matter how much it's in that book you see it but you don't get to feel it smell it and really see it when you're in person and 
those are the things that that's what started that birding and she you know started bringing five ten people taking binoculars writing down every year making you know different notes and and creating a uh a diary that led to a bigger group now that the whole Audubon, different uh, people, folks come out, and sometimes it's 150 gathered in the driveway. I'm still kind of just, as we sit outside, and I know that I've hunted some of the property out here, but I look at the field behind us. What all different crops do you have here on the farm? So uh, we have um, all different kinds of stuff. Um, we in our impoundments uh, have Japanese millet with brown top millet that is for the waterfowl, the deer, the turkey as we put water. We have soybeans. Um, we change it up each year. Our berms have Whitetail Institute oats that we love with clover. Then we go into other fields where we plant different types of uh, mixes. Uh, we have corn that's standing. We have uh, Egyptian wheat, different things that we use for screens uh, to access into deer plots. Um, managing the timber is another big thing that's not just the crops. It's having cutovers, having new growth timber, having big timber. A lot of these crops um, we plant for the wildlife, and we're very fortunate to harvest some, take some to the grain market, and then some is here that uh, stays all year, creates a memory bank for the deer, so they have a food source come January, February, March, April, when we hit the dead part of winter, we've got a food source, so we're collecting deer, turkey, two or three miles that are coming to the farm. They know that we're leaving stuff. We also have sunflowers that we plant, um, lots of different grasses from your your borders that in your borders, you might just plant tall fescue, um, some uh, partridge pea, all different things to having warm season grasses that a lot of these things are all used for habitat management so it's a good variety of different sources of of food grain crops now that we're coming up on wing shooting and what is it what are you getting ready for leading into that oh what's your day like so we're right now some mornings we're out kind of scouting looking at the fields watching birds seeing what birds are doing to be able to give knowledge to hunters that'll be out um we we start about a month ago with uh bush hogging some of the uh rows of uh sunflowers millet corn corn gets combined uh and bush hogging that down for one for pass for people to walk but also uh the doves come in set on top feed so you're preparing you're putting a food source where it's on the ground that you can do that's legal for dove hunting um and then we're kind of out just taking a look at different things getting ready if we see some geese we're scouting for geese and trying to put together groups uh we're working on our bush hogging around field borders prepping spraying getting ready for early archery we'll be planting some more of our winter uh kind of food plots and early archery season here probably this weekend um next weekend as you say that starts in about a month right yeah 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 yeah. we'll have folks out pretty much uh, for those four weeks of archery in october hunting deer trying to be successful catching them whether it be food plots catching them in their summer feeding 
habit still of eating on the soybeans um and uh it just continues then you're checking pipes to make sure beavers haven't clogged up pipes you're you're checking all the different things that still go along with being a land manager that every day it's it's something checking on how many people do you have on staff that are that are doing all that because you can't do it yourself Oh, sometimes it's about eight or ten of us, but everybody's kind of scattered. We have different guys that work out in Lancaster, different guys that come around here and help us. Um, all of them are one way or a guide for us, or either they work for us on the farm, they work for us landscaping, up to the guys, the companies that, you know, Southern States, ag, you know, company that's right here, those guys helping spray to my brother on the family farm, uh, coming out still trying to help everybody's helping prepare because it's not like it's a, a little hundred acre plot no. it's it's a scattered management of farms from sussex virginia all the way out to the chesapeake bay region in the northern neck uh from lancaster to northumberland catching hanover county caroline county king william king and queen essex it's uh it's a pretty big operation that i've had to start delegating and those guys are a big help when it comes to running an operation like moncuin creek and having the farm scattered everywhere and having so much ground to cover you're finding yourself working from sun up until 10 o'clock at night do you find time to get out and hunt i know you did last year just because and i want to hear that story uh because it was a deer you've been watching for a while but you don't get out that much, do you? No, it kind of, you know, it, it it's a point that one of the reasons starting the outfit business is you have to be self-disciplined not to go and harvest the animals yourself, your guides. Right. Your, but it's one of the things that people have to understand guides owners want to hunt i mean it's what we love too but you do it in the way that hunting season different hunting seasons different farms that farms that are huntable that are private some farms we can't have you know guests on or we can't take and we're able to go hunt that or we get invited as a guest to go to a farm and and hunt with friends and family um so yeah, a lot of those things uh, are difficult uh, as a owner um, because it's hard to enjoy something you love. But that's been a passion to put back into my kids is I don't want them hating something or disliking something because we never get to do it. We right. never get to participate. I want everyone to participate, but also knowing in a business you have to set clients up, take care of our clients, and then we still have plenty of time to go out and hopefully get lucky and harvest. And, right. you know, leading up to what you were talking about, that deer, we had had that deer that we called Drop Tine that had been kind of famous for three, four years. Clients had right. seen him the year before. Uh, I was able to harvest him December the 11th last year, 2019. We've had several clients with muzzleloader archery. Something happened every time, but he broke his rack off um, where the drop time was, and guys were like, you know, we could have killed him. We could have harvested him. It's uh, It'll be truly a story to see what he turns out. And he turned into a giant drop time, non-typical um, 
had lots of clients last year see him guys going in in the mornings to their stands getting to see him stand there in the headlights at 20 yards in a right. bean field um to Gordon Winnington from North American Whitetail having him at 125 yards that could have harvested him on TV but wasn't confident with the new scope, new gun, to he vanished and no one had really seen him and all of a sudden you know he started popping back up in december almost getting hit by a friend of ours with a car uh to another guy seeing him cross the road that morning to notifying my brother that had seen the deer go towards that side of our farm and just i was brushing duck blinds that day and my brother called me and we had no clients you know it gets to a point kind of around december the 10th 15th we usually don't have any more gun hunters once we do our disabled hunt veteran hunt and uh it allows me to get out and go hunt with family and friends and do the things that you want to do and so that afternoon my brother called me and i said yeah you know you pick what stand you want to go to because i didn't want to pick a stand and he say <laughs> that i knew where to go and he chose i chose five minutes of sitting in a stand drop time was there appeared and it was all over and wow so i still revert back to as many times as i want to say this is you give you receive and i put back a lot of time and effort it's 12 months i right. mean we start from the time everyone leaves here to again to the next season but it's every month you're doing something and and i told this to somebody the other day that asked me you know how do i manage for big deer you're not really managing for big deer you're managing small the small game take care of the big game and that itself because you're providing for quail rabbit you're providing cover to raise young deer young quality turkeys all the other things that come into the aspect but it takes years you you're not going to harvest a big giant deer if uh if you're in it to hunt for meat um and and that's you know a lot of folks are out to have meat they're not out to have horns where for us we, we've been very successful that you can't take your three deer every year kill three deer that you know will never get a chance to grow where you know it takes at least five or six years to get a potential deer and that's a lot of lifetime for us that are getting to a certain age that five and six years just goes by really quick i was in a tree stand in the swamp um back there and there was a just a a spike that came in and he was 10 yards from me you know i was looking straight down at him that's somebody else's animal in a few years and that that's something again that Moncune creek uh changed when we first started we set uh, a high bar of harvesting 130 inch deer during archery season to 140 inch deer through muzzleloader that you know after two years we realized that's a high bar high standard that you know again i wanted to change that to because we wanted any customer any client that came in a trophy is a trophy whether it was a spike buck whether it was a six point you know allow them to harvest that deer that that's their biggest deer and through that we've had a lot of very successful first-time hunters um, that have been tickled pink with what they've right. harvested, and uh, and it's been very comfortable for us. We know, you know, our population of deer from farm to farm, and kind of what's the ability there, and um, so I'd say, you know, that 
those are the things that you have to look at. I've uh, I've paid attention to the Facebook and Instagram pages, and you've been posting some good quality bucks on there. Do you have like names each year? You see, maybe you see see a new one. Oh yeah, it's um, believe it or not, there are deer names that we recognize from farm to farm. The kids sometimes will name deer, uh, clients will name a deer, and it kind of starts to stick. Or a newcomer shows up, and he gets a name. This year, we've got a newcomer named Twinkie. Uh, we named him <laughs> after Chaz, uh, my son, that, you know, Chaz, for a lot of people that have known Chaz and hunted with Chaz, he grew up really quick in the last two years. Right. Uh, he's turned into a giant where this deer is a giant. And um, so Twinkie was a very fit name for this deer. Um, we have several deer, one named Floppy that uh, has been a deer that I let walk uh, after a client let walk to different things that um, – has really become an impressionable, very impressive deer uh, to a deer that should be seven years old that we named uh, Handsome. That should have been a deer that we should have shot two years ago. He's kind of eluded everyone. Um, a pretty awesome mainframe 10, typical, that is just a giant that we've got pictures, videos of him that just blows people's minds but this year he's gone down and it's kind of what you start to understand in the deer world some of these deer hit a certain age and they do they go down they're they're just like a human uh except for in a deer age you know it's old for deer to reach five six seven years old around here let's transition a minute to to waterfowl and turkey between the two which is your favorite I mean, they all. Uh, granted, they're both completely different ways to hunt. It's it's something that we as hunters, and I guess as um, you get asked this question from a lot, and turkey would be, if I only had to pick one sport that we right. could hunt in Virginia, would be turkey, and which, you know, a lot of us are very fortunate because it was getting ready to be named the the state bird or national bird by George Washington, right. and luckily it didn't because a lot of us would not be able to hunt, <laughs> and but it's it's something to do with the spring of i was taught fall turkey hunting from my grandfather taking me out tracking me through the woods with a turkey dog that a lot of people never ever got to experience that's probably more exciting than a spring turkey hunt the flush the call back um and they're in your lap and uh but spring, the gobbler goblin coming looking for you, the adrenaline rush uh, to that bird strutting, fighting decoys that so many of us have got to experience with hunting with us to the new scoot and shoot that you, you got to experience how close, you know, those things right. that happen with turkey hunting are just you're calling in a wild species, a wild game animal or doing something that. It's just it's something about it that you get the the closeness, the encounterness of a turkey that I think trumps it all. The last two years, um, I haven't tagged out. You know, I've got one turkey, and I'm fine with that. Um, but both are stories that I will always remember. You know, the first one, you were with me, and um, we'd already been out a couple of times, and we couldn't draw the bird out. And that last time. We're, we're buried back in the timber, and we can see the decoy sitting out there, 
and you're calling for me, and you're like, you got the camera, and you're like, if you see him, take him, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we sat on this bird for a half an hour. Finally, out of nowhere, out of the right side of my eye, I'm like, Chip, there he is. You're like, where? Boom. <laughs> I don't. You didn't even have time to turn on the camera. I, I was uh, in the middle of texting Maddie, happy birthday. It was Maddie's birthday, <laughs> and we were sitting there waiting, and I was just texting Maddie, and, and when you said, there he is, yeah, I think I did get a little bit of the, the kill. Um, but well, we it, had a GoPro on the decoy. Yeah, that's right. We did. We got that. It just it happens so fast, and those are the things that make it so fun you know that things like that happen so fast you can go from just a discouraging day or discouraging opportunity out in the woods to just immediate heroic uh being successful by having that change and that's what happens with turkey hunting um and waterfowl is very very close because you get so many opportunities of different types of ducks different species we that's what we bring to the table with Monkey and Creek with our waterfowl. How many different of species do you have that you guys hunt here at Monkey and Creek? So from dove season to early resident goose season to um, deer hunting with archery, muzzleloader, gun, to fall turkey hunting, to waterfowl from hunting puddle ducks to divers to sea ducks out in the Chesapeake Bay to back to rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, um, and for the finish, spring gobbler, um, and then some fishing, allowing fishing in ponds and different things that we hope to bring more to the future of the river fishing and different things. It it gives everybody about 10 different species, 10 different animals, game birds to come out and hunt from birds to deer to, you know, turkeys waterfowl specifically how many different uh areas do you do you hunt around here because you have quite a few yeah so waterfowl that's that's what makes it so unique here when when folks come in out of town and as we're sitting here talking we're watching three wood ducks just fly downstream (laughs) um and and those are the things that you know that we start on when folks pick up the phone and call and they start talking you know tell us what you offer well we offer uh early wood duck season that you know starts out where you have lots of wood ducks here for a four-day split in october to season coming back in in november where it starts right around the part of gun season right week before thanksgiving for two weeks typically and we then have our big ducks our puddle ducks our mallards our widgeon our gadwall our teal um wood ducks and then some of our canada geese have started to arrive wow and then from there we go into our late duck season that's december january that we offer uh our divers from hunting canvas backs uh, to different uh, more mallards, black ducks, um, to hunting old squaws and sea ducks with some really good sea duck guides that have became a part that really helped the business where we're able to carry you know 10 12 hunters a big group with running two boats with captain's licenses that bring a lot to the table for guys that have never done it. it's fun shooting um and they're good eating smoking it that a lot of folks just 
I don't think have tried these recipes that a lot of our good chefs out here have taught us how to cook some of this meat and and take care of it. Right. And those are the things that have made it even more interesting because now we get to eat that duck too. Right. It's not just about the hunt. It's also filling your belly, filling your freezer. With that, we also have what's to me is probably the big game of the waterfowl is swan hunting. So we're able to offer uh, swan hunting um, that is by permit only. So you have to apply in in September um, when it starts for swan permit and folks get out. We only take 25 people on our books for Virginia and uh, we take those folks out. We've got a couple local families that we work with, and a couple of the, those guys guide for us and help us out with the swan. And uh, and then we have swans on some of our other properties out in the northern neck. But it's a true – that's kind of the big game of waterfowl, that guys have wanted to do it and harvest one. It's great eating. It's like eating the best prime rib, a red stag that anyone's ever eaten. Um, swan is absolutely delicious. Plus, then it's a beautiful bird to, to get mounted and, and right. get people to see. How closely do you work with the Department of Wildlife Resources? I mean, as, a, as, a, as an outfitter, I'm sure it's got to be pretty close. It is. We work uh, with, like I said, the the Wildlife Foundation um, that helps with programs, education, um, with our our local game department with DGIF, um, and mixing those things and and working with our officers where we kind of become our own uh, officer where we have to patrol our land, check. There's always someone trying to hunt. There's always someone wanting to have an opportunity that big deer that Moncune Creek posts this they think you know they know where deer are people see things and so it is a challenge it's a lot of things with that that we have to make phone calls and we have to try to make sure every one of us are doing the right thing and following the rules the regulations those are the things you know that we just try to work with and uh and safety first it's it's the same thing that officers are doing out there they're trying to you know help things be safer you know help people from someone not being reckless someone not trespassing shooting someone someone not drowning by not having life jackets on the boat proper equipment uh tree stand safety you know we work with hunter safety system to try to have lifelines on every tree when a hunter goes up um wearing those vests those things you know that we can promote to go get from our local you know green top that is you know we're their preferred outfitter by taking folks that come in that don't have something to go get that supply there you know is another big supporter that we have to follow well i was going to say let's talk about green top for a second because when it comes to Monku and creek's relationship with green top uh, Monku and creek being a preferred outfitter for for green top outfitters which is locally owned um it's one store in ashland virginia that has been around for 70 70 years 73 years and you can get basically hunting and fishing you can get everything you need from the top brands in the industry what does Moncue and creek's relationship to green top or what is green top's relationship to Moncue and creek mean to you green top's relationship to us at Moncue and creek means a lot um it goes back many years of our relationship with knowing the guys that work there a lot of them have been there 
almost their life, 25 years, um, to working with me, knowing, you know, kind of what I've done as an individual from a hunter to do something that's been very hard for a lot of people in the state of Virginia to be an outfitter, um, to be recognized and be asked by Green Top to be that preferred outfitter that's recognized uh, means a lot to have our logo, to have our name affiliated with a really big company that um, does a lot, treats their people right. You know, um, when hunters come in, we can take hunters up there and they're like, wow, you know, what a huge store that we never heard of. So it builds uh, a new customer for Green Top. Uh, just as it does us, but a lot of guys, we've we got some guys that'll be coming this year again. Every year they look forward to coming to go to Green Top to look at their gun selection. They look at different things because it, it's something that Green Top has. They have certain little things that, you know, they carry that you can buy in person um, where a lot of times you're still having to order stuff. A lot of things today are going to online sales, right. but Green Top is has hung in there and still carried, you know, a lot of the supplies that we need where Virginia is, is a big hunting state, whether people want to believe it or not. You know, we've got a lot population from northern Virginia all the way to Norfolk that come to Green Top to buy fishing supplies and you know it, it, it's 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 what supports us as hunters you know by having a good store that's run by good people that you look forward to going to. The Green Top Pros I know I speak from personal experience as I'm sure you do when when you send hunters up there who don't know exactly what they're looking for uh, you know real quick story this year I I've been wanting to get into archery I have a crossbow but I want wanted to learn and get better at a, a compound bow. I must have shot 10 different bows, went through and finally found one, but the Green Top Pro was just so, he took the time. You know, he set up each bow for me, for my draw length, for 60 pounds. You got bugs coming at you? One mosquito keeps trying to fly in my ear, I believe. <laughs> See, that's what's different about doing a podcast outside. You got lots of mosquitoes and you got, you know, you got uh, a horse flies, whatever, but... So he really took the time to help me on each one of those bows, setting it up so I could practice it and, and shoot it. And I finally narrowed it down to a couple. But that's the thing, the staff at Green Top, you know, they're, they're going to put you in a direction where all of my kids got to go shoot compound bows. Billy did an awesome job taking the time, I mean, spending hours with Chaz that, you know, setting him up as a kid, you know, Camden shooting bow and arrows to, you know, per offering certain type of guns. Chip, this gun's really nice. Patrick calling me up, telling me, you know, we've got this gun. And we test a lot of guns as an outfitter and as a hunter that we're shooting, we're putting guns through the test and people will call us and ask us, you know, Chip, what's the preferred gun? You know, what are y'all guys shooting now? And and what's the fit, you know, for the girls? The girls have become, you know, I enjoy hunting with my daughters. I, I just, it's something about making it comfortable for them. They love the outdoors. They love getting out with their friends and family. Those are just the things that, you know, the Green Top offers and brings to us by that, right. that quality staff. Yeah, they connected me with uh, Clay Target Shooters that um, is really a great instructor. And I took my 15-year-old to her for 
a few hours and so knowledgeable and just it was a great experience with who they led me you know to have trained so it was great <laughs> they found you see we've been we've been uh we got the kids who found us out here by the river <laughs> that's funny <laughs> they're coming to put the boat in the water and do some fishing this is what's great when you're doing the podcast by the uh right here at the put-in yeah is yeah. that chaz i think it is yeah. i think it's chaz he's done probably come out they've had a hot day of grass cutting and uh they might be just going for an evening cruise the, the river is kind of laid back right now it looks uh slick and calm and they might be just going for a test we're same thing we're getting boats ready for duck season and having to run some of these motors you know just to test them through the summer to make sure that they're running and you need them running when it's most important and it never fails motors not running come uh november december and uh it's always a uh a test that that we end up having to do so you can have that that happen in the field when you're out there and all of a sudden you got a boat that you know motor won't start when you're getting ready to take duck hunters out that's it i mean it's uh, a lot of mornings that we've gone and uh motor's got a broken hose or motor won't start and then you've got a revamp you know with clients and change and go pick another spot until you right. can take the morning to look i had a morning uh one morning christmas clients here uh it was the morning after christmas and saw some lights on the river and was like oh my goodness what is that is that a ufo or something sitting out that ain't supposed to be sitting in the middle of the river and i took a boat ride to run out and this guy had built this huge pontoon boat that him and his wife were touring it was lit <laughs> up it had guns it looked like and after it got daylight after i had changed and carried the clients to another duck blind it, it was just this big engineered pontoon boat painted camouflage that we see now every day on the river and is just a cool cool uh, boat, but that morning was pretty scary to see right. on the river. Like, who is clients. out there? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh my gosh. So down here by the river and right by the put-in, Chip's boy and all his friends getting out on the water, 7 o'clock at night, getting ready to go have some fun? <laughs> I guess. I, <clears throat> I think they're doing a river test and it must be uh, just a uh, what you typically get to do sometimes before you get busy, a little <laughs> river cruise in the evenings. Last week, we took the boat, and we did go do a sunset picture. And all those things that are still one day to end up here at Moncurian Creek Outdoor Adventures is being able to take folks and go do that and go get, whether it be an evening river dinner on the river for the evening, you know, a river cruise. And uh, those those are big things that go with the outdoors where it doesn't have to be particularly hunting but getting to come out and see a beautiful sunset a beautiful sunrise um and just a little bit of peace to get people away from your busy day workforce work area you know these are the things that a lot of people tell me i'm so fortunate every day to be out in the outdoors and do what we do we are yeah. and and it's i got told one day by a client I, I needed to start giving myself more appreciation that i didn't appreciate and myself how much and what i do for people that right. get to love to come outdoors to get to see and and it is i i love that's why i love what i do and educating right. and and bringing people out it's uh 
you don't get it. A lot of a lot of landowners that are private, you know, don't allow public access. You know, we don't allow public access, but we allow public access through a tour. You know, being able to tour people and show them. Yeah. Um, and if they call up, you know, and want us to guide them on. Uh, an afternoon to go see some eagles you know we we offer those things to be able to go do that i know we don't have a lot of time left but let's talk a little bit about the future of moncuin creek when you speak of hopping on a boat you know and then cruising down the pamunkey and doing some sunset photos or seeing eagles what are some of the things that you'd like to see at moncuin creek you know in the say the next five years so the next five years, you know, with our goals and dreams that uh, have already become reality of where we're at uh, by being an outfitter, um, you kind of same thing. You realize you hit a cap, you hit a, a point where you've got to do something else to to raise the bar and lodges, cabins, river river cabins on the river, uh, kind of like tree houses. I was gonna say the tree houses have really taken off all over the place they have and getting to come out and just same thing sit out here where it's peaceful where you don't really hear traffic you get to hear the cicadas the the bees the birds everybody chirping singing to winter time being able after hunting season folks want to come in and same thing get to watch the migration of ducks and wake up in the morning to a whack whack quacking you know and honking and geese you know those things um, to bigger lodge, to cabins, to having a restaurant potentially on the river, to just multiple things, um, being able to have boat RV storage, to have an outdoor store that is affiliated with Green Top, to have kayaking, uh, boating, uh, boating safety classes, to you know the different classes instructional from uh, food to the table, having our chefs, our, our local restaurants that we participate with to be able to do to photography seminar from our guys like rmg raghorn media uh and jut to come out and teach people you know filming and taking quality pictures of your success out in the field um those those things are really our big goals that we hope to see a lot of that in five years that more and more people get to stay here um and get to participate in the outdoor adventures of what's really out here Uh, because it's very hard in the hunting industry to provide numerous numerous hunting uh where you know we all love the sport we all want to participate and teach but it's not but so much time there's not but so much season and um so outside of that filling the different months that we're able to have people out to showcase the off seasons of hunting seasons is providing the river tours the uh farm tours uh being a farm kid uh growing up you know those are the things now that i love i've done a couple things for farm bureau um putting back out what do we do as as farmers for the future how to uh develop our our farm changing how to save the farm how to uh diversify the farm uh, whether it be you know little things like sunflower events whether it be growing grapes winery um, whether it be just numerous things that you can change and develop for your family farms um, is very big for me because 
coming from that family farm that's kind of what's given me the drive the knowledge the passion uh is to continue working and saving that the sunflower event was good for you this year and it was was that was that a first time event first time event and it was nothing more than just coming in your car picking sunflowers taking as many as you want taking pictures um and we were able to provide that for a couple weeks and even one of our guides um out in lancaster being able to run it at his it was great we grabbed all kinds of people and we gave ideas hopefully out to other people to do different things so yes it was very successful yeah seeing some of the photos that people were posting and tagging monkey and creek on social media it seems like everybody loves pictures with sunflowers it, it was great it is it, it definitely showed us we we touched sixty one thousand people in three days of engagement that was non-hunters so wow. and and we gave away some prizes from green top that we went out and hung some ribbons and some of those folks that won some of those yeti coolers and we asking you know how they found out about us was engaged through green top so not only you know hunting it showed us that these people were engaged green top because they had bought a traeger grill or a big green egg and they saw the event and they asked their wife how about this let's go do this yeah. and it made them some great bounty points for the weekend because their wives got to put sunflowers something that was something totally different a flower field that got right. to involve the whole family so we felt like it was huge success for us good 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 uh what does tomorrow look like for you oh gosh tomorrow you wake up getting to wake up in the morning see the sun come up and it might be same thing checking on the doves for tomorrow uh checking cameras trail cameras to Oh, just seeing what maybe we can get done if we've got some more bush hog into food plots to checking tree stands, just whatever we can squeeze in a day. How often do you go out to check your, your cameras that aren't cell cameras? So we run almost 160 cameras on roughly 20,000 acres, plus some of the other guides having their own cameras that are on their properties or other farms. So usually we try to hit one to two farms a week and it's tough to get to every farm in a week's time but come hunting season we start putting a little bit more time and try to hit every farm every week because those are some of the knowledge that you do get what the deer are doing a little pattern some of those are the things that i discussed we've taken away the christmas morning of being able to get a package and not know what's coming out when you get in the tree stand that that's the the experience the uh fun but you know it's 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 a knowledge thing that with the cell cameras gives us ability to catch folks trespassing to catch surveillance of things that are going on that helps us as land managers and as a company that is running an outfit business to capture something that we're having more eyes in the field that we would not have without them so it is a great tool that has helped us with those cell phone cameras the cell cameras that are are really become a big hit for a lot of a lot of folks from the time you were a kid there was little chip and then there's adult chip from the time you first went out hunting to now how has hunting and your thought process behind hunting to to wildlife management how has that changed for you over the years? I would say it's almost like 
every 10 years. So perspective of killing my first, you know, animal at six years old, turkey, deer, being successful at that young age um, to by the time you're 16, you're you're still you're young. You're wanting to kill everything in sight, and not really realizing that you're just killing because there at the time we had just gotten introduced to DMAP and harvesting with deer damage because we had too many deer. So we were the ones that had to go and kill. To by the time you're 26, 30, you've gotten married. Chip got kids and. You're educating your kids. You're teaching now a new six-year-old kid how to hunt. You're not putting as much effort into your hunting to all of a sudden here's business chip that has become wanting to take pictures, wanting to take videos, wanting to showcase, you know, the wildlife to your conservationists now. You're not wanting to see people kill if you're not going to use that resource for food or give to the hunters for the hunger for folks that need it we as sportsmen understand that we're harvesting game to help i mean it it truly does help from overpopulation a lot of people don't get it if we were to let things increase increase we would have tons more uh accidents on the highway with deer turkeys flying into vehicles um it's something as sportsmen that we all do and you have to learn to manage that and as you get older everyone starts to understand the management where i look that i have raised my kids a lot different where my dad grandfather raised us to harvest and kill to provide for the field for the food for the table for us that also pelts at the time were were sent that were used um trapping trapping has become you know very hard now to get a trapper because there's not a lot of use that no we can't buy it can't sell it where it just has faded but it's starting to pick back up um but being from a small chip to a big chip you just you you have four different sessions and and from that point on you are a steward of the land especially if you've owned property you're you're wanting to you know teach people not to litter not to trash um by being a farmer's son landscaper we realize there's things that have been done for the chesapeake bay program here um the chesapeake bay act has helped our waters uh where we're seeing numerous fish in our rivers the crabs the oysters just full of life because a lot of people have stepped up to help save their environment and you know and along that process we get to teach that to our kids and if we can teach that to the kids then things are better for them as well in the future of having those things to eat that we love called oysters called crabs called wild game yeah you definitely want the 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 important thing is getting the kids involved and when you can see the passion that you have for it and are willing to share that passion and that knowledge i wish more people had that you know it seems like it's almost like a lost art people do it you know, and you see it on the Outdoor Channel all the time. You see other hunters like you and other outfitters and property owners doing that. But then you see the ones that just, you know, want something to hang on their wall. And and, and that boils back down to where every one of us are different. You know, we all got a different map and a different plan. And uh, it's, it's why I kind of, you know, I guess this area gave 
Monkeyan Creek. You know, Chip Watkins created something that we, we've only got a few outfitters that do waterfowl. We've got a few that do deer, um, a few that do turkey in the entire state. There's more, you know, charter boat captains that are able to take folks fishing and uh, and get out on the waters, but it's it's very hard in the sport of hunting to go gain knowledge or go be able to hunt and put people in a quality learning experience if you're a new hunter and and that's something that we love you know when a new hunter comes in and we're able to educate and teach him and he's successful or you know someone that's we had a couple guys last year that were 60 years old never ever ever harvested a big buck in their life or a deer you know and killed their first deer and got a deer mounted that right. you know was truly exciting to them yeah i uh i love being able to see that with whether it's a young kid or somebody you know like i, I still consider myself a new hunter i just picked it back up less i mean two years ago so I still consider myself one of those new hunters that I'm willing to soak up the knowledge. You know, I'm not, I'm not at that 60 year old range yet, but I still got a lot of life to live. And now I've got the bug and I want to continue to do it. How would you encourage people our age or in their 30s, 40s, 50s? Don't be afraid to get out and try it. Absolutely. I'd encourage uh, every bit for people to come out to experience it you know if nothing else the experience of the outdoors to see you know what we are as sportsmen um that hunters are really good people that can be teachers and educators to uh give an experience give a lifetime memory that that's what life is about is creating a memory and being able to come out out here you know at Monkeyan Creek we create memories whether it be from a sunflower field whether it be the first time experience you know uh, uh, harvesting an animal to getting to see an animal that you know there's lots of guys that have hunted all their life and have never seen you know uh, what we would call an albino deer or a uh, turkey with a different phase color or goose or duck that becomes rare or band that has come from Vancouver. It's just those things that you get to talk about uh, with having clients out here hunting where, you know, we couldn't do it every day. Right. And that's the one thing that we're able to give that you can't hunt every day of your life unless you're gifted or have a way and a means. Right. We all have to work and you know, people do provide us with that opportunity for us to do what we love every day. And um, those are just the things that creating those memories are are hard to capture when you're caught up inside and when you're able to get outdoors no matter what with family, friends, sitting around a picnic table, sitting around a campfire. You just can create some memories. And a lot of those things people – Years after years now have texted me, thank you. My kid never forgets right. that. For me, I never forget those things with my kids, those moments. You know, I won't forget your first turkey kill because right. of it being your first turkey, but me texting my daughter on her birthday. It's <laughs> right. just, it rings right. a bell to you. Yeah. And those things just make it, you know, interesting to life to being able to have stories yeah. to tell like that. And sometimes it's fun just to come out and watch the wildlife. Just it, watch it. And I think that's the thing that I probably, Garrett, will hit on more of as Monkey and Creek that 
folks are coming out to film to take pictures um you know and still having a fun experience even on a three-day five-day adventure here you know it's you're not always having to be successful and not everyone is successful but almost 100 percent have an opportunity of being successful of seeing the game because of how we manage the land and the property i think one of those days where i just want to bring my kids out with their cameras and just sit in a stand and just, you know, just early morning. And that's all we're armed with are cameras and just watch and, and they those, can take pictures. Those are some of the things that was my whole idea when I created this was building duck blinds that families could participate with right. their dad, their sons, their brother, if mom wanted to come. Creating deer blinds that we've bought these muddies, these MB ranches from Green Top that we've got over 25 on the properties that... Some of them are so big you can fit six people in. Some of them, you know, three to four, and some of them just two. But guys can bring their laptop. They can sit in it. They can be successful. Um, And for us, it helps control scent, control movement that makes hunters more successful. Um, But it also allows something like that for you to bring out your kids set there, and you can tap them and say, hey, y'all, look at these does feeding in front of us. Watch these young bucks sparring and fighting and tell the process of what's going on. Those are the fun moments that, you know, that we get to have and with family and friends. How can people find you if they want to have, I mean, say, you know, somebody hears this podcast just says, hey, I want to go check out this Moncune Creek place. I guess there's several ways. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, um, and, and of course their website, but Moncune Creek Outfitters um, and Moncune Creek Outdoor Adventures is soon to come and get released uh, along with an outdoor menu that will Moncune Creek is hopefully being able to uh, talk about ways and means of cooking. And um, Is there a Moncune Creek cookbook? It's in the future plans. <laughs> um, those are some of the things that uh, some of our friends uh, put out and uh, right. test and talk about, uh, about different things. Um, one of our friends at the Outdoor Menu uh, post a lot of our recipes and cooks yep. and from High Mountain, different types of seasoning. But those are the things that people then will call or interact with us and want to know. And we are able to help them uh, to make that taste better, cooking it. Sorry I got distracted there with that. But those are different ways to reach us at Moncune okay. Creek. It's been enjoyable to sit out here by the water and listen to the cicadas and, you know, even have, you know, your son and his friends come with the boat and go take off down by the water. But it's good. Are they right behind there? Yeah, now they've gone to our little tree jump that you climb up and go out <laughs> in the tree and the kids love it. Adults love it. Uh, we had a little river float uh, with some family and friends uh, a couple weeks ago and Adults were climbing the tree and jumping out the tree and doing flips and uh, same thing. It's creating memories. We've created those memories that uh, give a fun little opportunity for people. I just absolutely love talking to Chip. And legit, we were sitting by the Pamunkey River during that entire podcast. It was great. So let's wrap things up. This is a feature I do on my show every weekday afternoon. We like to share positivity. We like to share good vibes. And hopefully it changes your outlook if you had a bad day and it can help you the next day. It's called, Can I Get an Amen? There was a judge in Houston had a family evicted last week. Cops who had to kick them out 
they started a GoFundMe page to help the family out along with other families in the same situation. And people have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars already. Now somebody caught up with the dad and did a follow-up interview and he got pretty emotional. I didn't expect all the help that I got. It helped out so much. Like it's, it's unbelievable how people got such a great heart. I'm learning how to be patient, be a better person, more talkative, more connected with other people because people ain't had to help me. But people did it because of their heart. That's what it's all about. People helping people. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to The World According to G. If you liked it, well, please share your comments. I'd love to know what you think. Subscribe and share with your friends. All right, I'm going camping this weekend, and I'm taking the recorder, and I'm going camping with my best friend of over 20 years. He's coming to Virginia from Colorado. We're going to talk about our friendship and over the last 20 years, how that has grown and what our vision of the future old version of us will look like on the next episode of The World According to G.